This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. I'm Callahan, a.k.a. Agent Impulse. And I'm Sage, a.k.a. Agent (laughs) Grapeshot. And, and we're, we're Nico's, Nico's Angels. <laughs> I don't know how to do that. <laughs> and uh, welcome everybody to the first episode of Nico's Angels, our new series here on the Mind Sculptors. Uh, like like we said before, I am Callahan. I'm joined by Sage. And uh, before we jump into everything, uh, just want to uh, give a quick shout out to everybody who uh, does support the channel and our all the Mind Sculptor stuff. Uh, if, if you want to get in on any of the Patreon stuff, uh, I go head on to our Patreon link down in the description, and you could get early access to sh- shows whenever I get the show done early um um, but so we got that going on but this is nico's angels and uh basically uh the show is uh sage and i are both non-binary folk (laughs) and uh (laughs) one of the things we're what we're gonna be doing here is talking about uh, representation in magic the gathering and really gaming in general and uh really exploring uh, the world of diversity and all of that stuff on the show. Um, But uh, for those who don't know who Sage is, because they are a newer member of the Sculpty Boys team, um, tell us us a bit about yourself, Sage, so everybody can get to know you a little bit better. Yeah, absolutely. I am super ecstatic, first of all, to have been invited to be a Sculpty Boy. (laughs) I really, truly felt that was like achievement unlocked. Um, Yeah, so super stoked about that. Um, Yeah, I have been playing Magic since 2015. So I started in the Cons of Tarkir block. Nice. uh, Where one of my roommates was like, hey, I've played this game. Would you be interested? And bought me a pre-con. And he and my partner taught me how to play Magic. And it has been um, a somewhat tumultuous relationship. But... In the end, has been a great one. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So I definitely, I love this game. I've been playing uh, competitive 60 card formats. I played modern. I play EDH, casual and competitive. I have a YouTube channel myself called Sage of Fables, where I talk about casual and competitive magic. And then also I'm really big into D&D. I'm a professional D&D writer and storyteller. Okay, give yourself more credit than that. You're more than just that. Like you... (laughs) You guys have a pretty big show. Yeah, we're kind of a big deal. Venture Maidens, I don't know if you've heard of us. (laughs) It's not like 
you know, it's just like my brother and Bob who started like a podcast. Like you guys, you guys have a following, a pretty big following. No, it's amazing. Yeah. Not too long ago, we hit over a million downloads and we've been doing this, uh, this podcast Venture Maidens for five and a half years now. And so we've really, um, we came from humble beginnings with headset microphones and having no idea about <laughs> how to do anything. And it has been a, just a wonderful and incredible learning process. And yeah, it's now has brought me here with, yeah, doing more podcasting and talking to and getting to meet so many cool people um, in the community yeah. to collaborate. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, I it, it was it, it's been a pleasure getting to know you because it's very it's very funny because um, I know you because of specifically CEDH and there will be times on your Twitter timeline where you'll be talking about something venture maidens related um, and you'll be like blowing that up and promoting that. And then I'll like see the replies and then I'll like see your follower account. I'm like, Oh yeah. Sage is like, <laughs> Sage also has this big thing too. Like, so I, I've, I've been very like uh, honored to be just even a friend. Uh, Cause you're, you're one of the good ones. So, Aww. um, but uh, so like you, like I said at the just a few moments ago, um, what this podcast is going to be about is about issues of diversity in the gaming community at large. We're not going to stick just to magic because uh, that would be this podcast and that makes a really good episode. Um, but there, you know. People play D and D. People play Warhammer. People play other games. And the, um, the yeah, and the issues that we face in Magic are you know are not just uh, singular in within Magic. They're definitely a symptom right. of a greater overall like overarching problems in the gaming industry. And so it'll be right. uh, very cool to take a sort of deep dive each episode. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like some things I know I would like to like talk about eventually right um is eventually i want to do an episode and maybe i'm just jumping or like surprising you with this but eventually i want to talk about the whole activision blizzard thing because dude so many people were surprised by that and i was just like when i saw that news i was like yeah (laughs) sounds about right (laughs) sounds depressingly par for the course (laughs) i just like looks on brand to me um yeah, no, definitely yeah, all it, of that. Yeah, the the whole corporate, uh, the like the corporate culture and misogyny and how those relate and interact and cause huge problems for so many people is a big old topic. <laughs> yeah, we'll get. There. And one thing I'm sure we'll talk about is I'm sure we'll talk about D and D. Oh yeah, which I feel like in recent years has really become this like haven almost for like uh, diverse groups of people to come and express themselves and uh, have like it's it's almost felt like at least in my experiences with D&D has felt like a very like inclusive environment. Um, Granted, that's very like community based. Right. Um, But I'm really interested to look more deeply into that because my experiences with D and D have been incredibly positive. Um, 
I mean, that that is incredibly, so. incredibly heartening to hear. And I'm so glad that that is your perception. Um, but yeah, with I mean, with any huge gaming hobby and for any, you know, this D&D was first published in like 1968. <laughs> so. And wasn't the like original guy like who made it like not the best person? Oh, Gary Gygax was definitely fucking sexist. <laughs> Yeah. And like for, I, I, for just for one. And then and then there are so many other aspects on top of it, too, of pulling from J.R. Tolkien's like archetypal like fantasy, you know, standard sort of fantasy grab and all of the problematic content that is uh, within that is built within that. And that is con- then that you can still see the ripples of to this day in this game, despite going mm-hmm. through so many different written editions and changing of writers and. Um, and everything and it's it's fascinating to still see those roots well it'll be interesting because to talk about that which uh that'll tie in nicely with this because a lot of our critiques in this episode are going to be mainly targeted at uh wizards of the coast which is the uh publisher of dungeons and dragons and if we're being honest at this point uh, Dungeons and Dragons is becoming the uh, role-playing arm of magic and vice versa. Um, they they really are starting to inhabit the same, like, environment, it mm-hmm. appears. Um, and I know they like to tell us that, like, well, the D&D set isn't, you know, actually magic lore. But then we have, like, how many Magic the Gathering D&D books now? Um oh. Two about to be third. No, no, there's more because they did. There's the Strixhaven book, or is that not out yet? That's it's. Ooh, it might be out soon. But with with Strixhaven, that that makes three full published books. Okay, so that's three. Um, I would be. I I feel like it's safe to assume that with Innistrad coming, I imagine we'll get an Innistrad book at some. Oh my god, especially because yeah, with how closely uh, thematically it is to yeah. uh, to Barovia, which is, you know, of course, it's very gothic horror with mm-hmm. the vampire Strahd. Um, and so I think actually in one of the one of the Planescape uh, PDFs that was for it, Strahd, it talked about how uh, doing a possibility how uh, DMs could do a, a Barovia yeah. in a Strahd crossover because they are so thematically close. I um the couple times I've played D&D I had a, a my DM uh let me play uh as a Naga uh race from Amonkhet that oh, very one that cool. they did mm-hmm. and uh it very, became apparent very quickly that that class was not well balanced or that uh race was not well balanced um <laughs> cuz I was just ripping through stuff so <laughs> um, it was That's a good time, but um, so the it, as far as representation, you know, today is really going to be separate se- words centered around representation in Magic the Gathering and specifically like uh, LGBTQIA uh, plus um, representation Um and so when we talk about the representation, Sage, what is it, you know, in your mind? Because I, I I could probably sit here and probably reason out a reason for why it's important. And I'm sure everybody knows 
somehow why it's important, but uh, from your perspective, why is it important? So I think uh, it's, it's amazing to me that within a deep fantasy setting where you can imagine yourself as anything as, you know, this, as an elven archer with, you know, nature magic or this like goblin druid or, you know, in, in a world, in a setting where you can be almost anything, the fact that people just want to see themselves in the setting, I think is such a powerful, uh, such a powerful connection that really brings you into a story, into a setting in such a deep way. And I think for, um, for people who have been privileged enough to all like consistently see themselves uh, depicted as, heroes and villains and this complex characters um, on the screen um, take take that experience for granted. And so I think like representation is to be able to um, see characters within a setting that share some aspect um, of of your identity and in ways right. that aren't, you know, uh, stereotyping or and to be able to like uh, see that character <laughs> see that character grow or change. Um, yeah. And I think it's, it's a, it's an incredibly powerful experience. Yeah. I certainly, especially for groups like, um, you know, queer people, right. Um, like the queer community seems to be either played for a laugh, um, and I think this is something that the two of us can probably relate to very uniquely as like uh, being under the like trans non-binary like umbrella, right? Mm -hmm. Is the whole, you know, like, oh, they were trans the whole time as a joke thing, right? Um, and so from my perspective, just to add on to that, like also seeing yourself being represented as more than a joking piece mm, mm -hmm. um, or something that's funny um, or odd. Right. Uh, like I, I think we're, we're going to get into this, but uh, like I, I, I know for me as a like trans non-binary person, right. Um, having for, for a very long time, the only non-binary character in magic the gathering was Ashiok, who is like a demonic, like shade, uh, plays with your nightmares sort of being, right? Yeah. Um, and so it was like the villain. And uh, for a very long time, that was what we had. Or we had um, like Yeheni, uh, who is, you know, a born right mm -hmm. um and so like even within that your non-binary character is being portrayed as less than um and it's just it's very interesting um and d disheartening i guess would be what i would say um but it's very yeah. encouraging because as as we're we're named um then they had nico eris come out in which set was it? Kaldheim. Oh, Kaldheim. Duh. I'm really dumb. I forget that Kaldheim <laughs> exists a lot. 
Same. Um, I'm all the time I'm like looking through cards for decks and I'm like, what fucking set is this from? Call time? <laughs> yeah, I I a lot of good cards were in that set and I just forget about it. I, I will literally be playing arena and playing with Kaldheim cards and forget. Oh, yeah, this is a Kaldheim card. Like, I just forget that it ever existed. Um, but, oh, yeah. you know, they were a very like good step in the right direction sort of character to bring in. And not only being just non-binary, but also being like a planeswalker, which kind of gives them some sort of notoriety and uh, importance in the overall story, right? Absolutely. And I think also, too, uh, specifically with Nico Aris, is, you know, that they... Oh, my God. Can we... All right. Hold up. Can we just talk about how fucking gay Theros is and how much I love it? <laughs> it's so on brand. Right? Like, it, so we cannot I take anything it. away from uh, Watsi on this front because Watsi went, you know what? Greek, like ancient Greece and, uh, you know, like, you know, Greek mythology is pretty, pretty gay. It's pretty fucky. And uh, <laughs> there's let's just lean into it. And uh, they Here definitely did. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Yeah, so I uh, yeah, so I definitely feel like Nico Aris is uh, a step in the right direction because they were you know a bold character who is pushing the story forward, and in so many times with uh, with stories involving queer characters, either they're queer coded and we have to pick up on these you know societally reinforced uh, cues that mm-hmm. they are queer people or that yeah or as you said they're played as the joke or they are only there as um to create tragedy or to, you know to be tragic you know you know look at so many um so many stories of trans women's where it's just you know it's it's just it's just sad porn <laughs> and yeah. and then you know and then they have these re- you know this like redemption arc you know where they you know where they have their glow up and everyone's like oh yay that's so great but it's like only through pain there is no celebration right. of like queer joy and queer love and um, and all these different facets of, you know, the of our identity as people um, that get brought right. into the stories. And I think that's, you know, why having um, a character like Nico was it was it was rewarding to see in those stories um, when I read through them. I I'd agree. I, I thought Nico was a cool character, although you and I talked about this a while ago. I said, um the only thing that bothered me about Nico's design is Nico has that like very um, stereotypical non-binary undercut. <laughs> and yeah, we were haircut. laughing about it. What'd you say? It, it's oh, my God. It's the haircut. It is the haircut. But the, the thing was, it was like, as we're talking about it and laughing about it, I'm going, how stereo like. Is it a stereotype if it's correct? Because like you and I both have that exact same haircut. <laughs> oh my god, it's so true. It's even worse living in the Bay Area. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I live out here in, you know, Nebraska where, you know, I just stick out like a sore thumb. But uh <laughs> it's so funny because it's like every every non-binary person I think I've ever met outside of like Modanon 
has got like the undercut or some variation of it. At least <laughs> one shaved part of the head is like yes. <laughs> part of the uniform. Part of the head must be shaved. Um, so when we, we kind of look at some of the meaningful characters, we went down some of them, but there's a lot of characters in here. And one I actually kind of want to hang on for a second is Alesha from uh, Cons of Tarkir block. Um, and she is a Mardu trans woman. And I have for a very long time had a problem with the way they did her um, because like, that's so interesting because like I have like, you know, you know, in kind of doing some research from this, I have only seen like the most glowing and positive things about Alesha and about how like people got into magic because there was uh, this. Well, there, woman. And I'm so I'm so excited yeah. to hear what you have to say. Sorry. Go, go on. Well, mine has been perhaps I'm just super cynical um, and that's probably the case. But I, I my opinion of it has been that I wish she was more important to the story. Mm, absolutely. Um, that's my biggest issue is she immediately gets rewritten out of the timeline. And so her presence is kind of feels very like, hey, guys, look, we gave this to you, to me. Um, and, and like I said, that's probably just me being super cynical. Um, but like, oh no, if she, if she was like a planeswalker, I would have been like, oh dude, give it to me, inject it into my veins. Um, but it's just like, it's always sat really wrong with me that she like immediately gets written out of the story. (laughs) Like she shows up. Sarkon rewrites history and then she's gone. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yep. No, that is a com- it, that is a completely completely valid point and uh, for anyone who doesn't know, um Alesha, if you you can find the you can find the story on the magic website. It's the truth of names that is 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 her story and um about the like the naming ritual within the Mardu clan. It's a very good name or a good uh story for what oh. it's worth. It is. It's very excellently written. It is an excellent story. Um, but yeah, no, uh, yeah, the fact that she's just immediately wiped and you're like, well, now this never has a chance to come back as yeah. future cards and future stories. And man, it's a bummer. <laughs> yeah, it, that's that's always been why I felt like they're. Like when people are like, oh, yeah, Lesh is like the trans representation in magic. And we're just like, oh, I mean, she doesn't exist anymore, guys. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Sarkon ruined that for everybody. So um, but as we, you know, we look down the list, um, like we said, there there's Yeheni, um, which is uh, he's or they, excuse me, are uh, either born from. Oh, shoot. What's the Kaladesh? Yes. Always forget the name of the plane. Um, the Etherborn. Kiano- oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. Um, yeah, the Etherborn are fascinating to me. And I have, I don't know. I have like, I have some like kind of 
I guess maybe mixed feelings about them because I feel like the Aetherborn were really uh, an analogy for like 80s gay party culture. Mm-hmm. Um because the way that because they only live for at most four years before their bodies like disintegrate disintegrated back into ether because you know they're these beings that are made from these from the ether gases that have like coalesced in these sentient beings and so they're this like asexual not like you know genderless race of individuals and it it's just and so they just spend their four years just fucking partying. <laughs> And to me, that just like, and then, you know, they die tragically in each other's arms, like at parties. And I was like, how is this not a giant allegory for AIDS, (laughs) like the AIDS epidemic and 80s club culture? (laughs) I feel we could do an entire episode on Kaladesh, honestly, Um, because I know Shivam has wrote extensively about Kaladesh and that's certainly a topic all to itself right like it's that has that set has so much going on with it as far as the story that's being told and what it's trying to say the characters that are being represented uh, some of the from my understanding semi problematic uh, representation of like Indian culture yeah. Um, so there's a lot to unpack with Kaladesh. There definitely is. And I feel like it has. I feel like overall, <clears throat> excuse me, I feel like overall it was generally a great attempt, but there were definitely still some misses that I think yeah. could have been easily avoided by just hiring uh, sensitivity editors, <laughs> you yeah. know? By by wow by actually consulting people of that culture, yep. Shocker. I also like to say this too, as we're two white people talking about issues of diversity. So yes, we're aware, dear we're listener. Two very white people. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's. So this is going to be about as you know heavy handed and guilt ridden as possible, right? Like, <laughs> um. Oh Lord. We talked about, okay, so one of the characters that I'm not super familiar with, I know they're from Theros, is uh, the couple Kienos and Tiro, and I only know them as being a bad commander. <laughs> That's it. And also, Aww. that it's a flavor fail that they're not partners. It, you know, it is. It is a massive flavor fail that they were not partners. They if if we could go back in a time machine and I could make it like Kynos partner with Tiro, I would do it. Yeah, (laughs) it'd be Uh, so good. It would make so much more sense. But no, it's just one bad card. (laughs) (laughs) It's fine. It's fun and casual. (laughs) Well, anything's fun and casual. That's not true. It's not true at all. <laughs> there are a lot of things that aren't fun. <laughs> Dictative Erebus, I'm looking at you. Uh, <laughs> I don't see the problem here. <laughs> oh, man, it's so funny how we're very much the same, but also very, very different magic players, and it cracks me up. We're very different, very different players. I am very much a control mid-range player, and you are the exact opposite. <laughs> We've got one speed. 
<laughs> Gotta go fast. Oh, goodness. But Kainos and Tiro, they are uh, lovers and partners, though not partner as a magic card. Um, kings. They were ruling. Uh, they were mm. ruling kings. And so, yeah, and they were they were the first, you know, gay couple to be displayed in magic. And yeah, it's I just the thing that I love the most about that card is the art, because just like the very the art's great. The like the loving gesture of like the hand on the soul on on the shoulder is just oh so great. It is certainly good from that respect. (laughs) Um, But I didn't know the lore behind it. Um, It is admittedly a lot of the commander cards. I'm not unless they're like also characters in the mainline story i don't know their lore very well um you know like i i could probably tell you to fairies lore but <laughs> i don't know a whole lot about you know so the uh, like yidris like i imagine he is from jund or something like that right like oh yeah i actually i have no idea yeah but um so we have kinos and tiro but we also have a few years down the line, um, Raul and Tomek, uh, where we have them as uh, a gay couple. And is it War of the Spark? It was revealed. Yes, because that's when they had the thirty-six uh, planeswalker ones. Yeah, and right. so and that's when Raul and, it was and, in their f- and to- Tomek were both printed in there. And it was in their flavors text, wasn't it? Yeah, that's oh, right. God. Gonna look up their flavor text now, um, but yeah. So we get to get to see them. Um, oh, War of the Spark. Okay, War of the Spark is a whole big thing. <laughs> so much happens in that set. <laughs> oh, a lot happens. Because <laughs> that's when oh. we get the novel with mm-hmm. Chandra and Nissa being written out as not being together because Wizards was like, oh, but the places that the that this will be published in, those countries, they don't uh look upon, you know, gay marriage favorably. So we're just gonna have the author just write that out. What? Thanks, Wizards. I I'm looking at our list and a character that actually generally surprises me that isn't an LGBT character is Liliana. Honestly, that genuinely surprises me. Like she strikes me as somebody who doesn't give two fucks. If anything, I feel like Liliana would be like, I feel like for her, I feel like she would be like asexual. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think she would definitely, she would definitely be, definitely be into kink and would be associated in, with the community in that way and like in that Venn diagram mm-hmm, overlap. Right. <laughs> God. I, but we also, we also have like, we, we touched on that Chandra and Nissa are, you know, we know Chandra, I believe, is pansexual. 
Yeah, um, but Morrow wrote up on it on uh, Blogatog that he had said that, oh, Chandra's the one where they just don't care about gender. <laughs> it was like, yeah, yep. that's that's pansexual, Margaret's water. <laughs> that also uh, lines up with her character. Um, and then we have characters that I'm not super familiar with, um, like Ovia Pashiri. Did yeah, I say so, that right? Yeah, Ovia Pashiri. She was on Kaladesh, and okay. she is one of the leaders of um of the resistance. Okay. Of, of the of the revolt. Um, and so she was definitely like this sort of matriarchal figure um within Kaladesh. Oh, I know this card now. I couldn't yeah. think of the card immediately. Um yeah, that makes sense. And then Thanasis and Pavios. More Theros Gaiman. Yep. That story <laughs> checks out. The math it. tracks. Oh my god, I read that story and I was like I was blushing. It was saucy. I was like, I can't believe this is on the Watsi website. <laughs> I have not. I've not read it. So I uh, I'll, I'll I'll send you the link. We'll post it in the show notes. <laughs> oh, boy. Don't get me demonetized. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> um, and then Helena or yeah, Helena and uh, Elena, Elena, uh, Elena from Commander Legends. Yeah, when we saw them. Yeah, um, and they are from Lanawar. Yes, that sounds correct. I did. I did know enough to know that they were related. No, they're from Innistrad. Oh, oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I had to take a moment to think about that after I said that. Um, and guess what? Wizards learned from their Kianos and Tiro mistake and uh, made them partners. Good job, mm-hmm. wizards. Mm-hmm. Good job. Oh my god, I was laughing so hard when on the command zone, Josh Lee Kwai said that they were sisters. <laughs> nope, they're not. They're not. They, and if they are, that's well, other questions. Um, uh, and then Orhaft Stoneback. Yeah, so they are from. Uh, they're they're also from. Kaldheim. There are actually a number okay. of like just non-binary people in Kaldheim who are just like mentioned passively or like it'll mm-hmm. be like, oh, and then, you know, two random women in a bar were like smooching or something, you know. So, um, yeah, which I which I found to be very interesting and kind of refreshing. Like it just felt so normal. Yeah, it's very. But it also has I don't know. um some of that uh, Star Wars, the Rise of Skywalker feel to it, where like, do you remember when the Rise of Skywalker came out and they were making this big deal mm-hmm. about how, oh, this is going to be the first gay kiss in a Star Wars movie? I remember sitting in the theater with Cassidy and my partner mm-hmm. and like you could blink and miss it easily. And that's that's. I, that's a whole nother topic. I that that type of representation just bugs the crap out of me. Um, mm, interesting. It just it personally just feels um, to me like very. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? 
God, I'm learning so much about myself. I'm a very cynical person. Um, <laughs> I, it's not condescending is the, not the word I'm looking for. I can't find the word I'm looking for, but it just feels like I'm being like handed something placated might be a right, the right word. I don't know. It's like, just like here, we gave you your thing. Um, and yeah. it just feels very corporate and like the least, like the bare minimum, I guess. Um, yeah, I'm just really cynical, I guess. Um, but, you know, especially in a movie where you very well could have made two of your leads gay. Um, right. You know what I mean? Like, it just and then they made the conscious decision to make Poe have a girlfriend. Like they made a very <sighs> conscious decision to do that. Yeah, and I would. Oh, my God. Yeah, I remember seeing that with the first one where you. Where you first see the two of them, and I'm like, "Oh, they're so gay for each other." Yeah, and then the third movie, and they're just so like, "Sweet." Yeah, and they, in, even in the second movie, and then in the third movie, they're just like, "Oh no, Poe has a girlfriend." It's like, really? Are you sure? <laughs> we haven't heard about her for any of these movies. No, no, he has a girlfriend. Trust us. Okay. All right. <laughs> um, but so those are some of the characters that have been in magic some of them are main characters which is awesome um although some of their it's not in the stories right um or not all of it is in the stories right like we talked about how like chandra and nissa the whole thing was written out um and so like in your mind there as far as like well before we before we get to that uh, when we look at like pro players and prominent people in the magic community, right? Um, there's, you know, there really aren't a ton. If, if that's fair. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's definitely a field that feels like it's dominated by straight white men. Oh my right? God. <laughs> For real. Like. It's just overwhelmingly so. Yeah, it is just dominated by that. Um, and for and me, like, oh, go it's ahead. Like, it's like a, a brief aside. And for me, seeing, of course, like the pro team being like all these straight white men was really a big was also like a big drive for me to get into competitive magic so I could be yeah. that queer bitch on the squad <laughs> to gay up the place. Yeah, and I... <sighs> It's so wild. And that's why, like, um, I know, like, Emma Skyward, she just got picked up by uh, Elevate GG, like that professional esports team. Oh, wow. And uh, to be like to play magic competitively for them and like. Awesome. Great job, Emma, by the way. Um, Congrats on that. If you are listening. Um, But like outside of something like even that like i wouldn't say that she's like a prominent like figurehead of the magic community like i could like i think the most prominent one that we have listed here is autumn burchette and i think that about rounds it out right yeah it really does 
um, I mean, one for being the first like non-binary person to be accepted on, but then also for her no turf on gruel turf, uh, whole that incident. Whole, yeah. Um, and like, it's very interesting. And this is so to get into like thoughts on all of this. And this is something that I think is interesting. And I'm actually really curious about how, what, like what your thoughts are is and this, cause this is something I would just kind of thought of as we're talking about pro players and prominent people in the community. When I think of prominent people in the community, the most prominent women I can think of are all cosplayers. Mm-hmm. Like it's not for what they do in the game. It's about how they look, which I think is very interesting. Hmm. I hadn't thought about that. I, Here well, I am yeah. throwing curveballs. Don't <laughs> mind me. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. It's just, you know, that's, that's, it, I mean, in cosplay. Oh man! Oh, we should do it. We should do a show about cosplay. Um, because oh, that's it, its own. Yeah, the cosplay's a thing, man. Yeah, because like <laughs> in and of itself, it is. You know, it is a it, it is a visual art. It is mm-hmm. how you you know how well you execute it and how cute you look doing it. Generally, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. And so, I mean, yeah. Aside from like, yeah, the big cosplayers. Like the only other like prominent people that come to mind. I mean, are people that are really in the community and making all the content Mm -hmm. and, you know, being involved in organizing games and tournaments. And like, those are the people that I think of. And so when I think about the queer community of magic as, as like a player base, like I love the bubble that I have crafted. Yes. (laughs) My, very queer magic sphere and it is delightful (laughs) man just our magic sphere is very awesome honestly it is a delightful group of people yeah so and just so supportive of of each other and Mm -hmm. always like looking to you know do things together and collaborate and it just it gives me life (laughs) but so when we look at like the whole like as far as representation in um like the game for instance uh like the the on cards um what is it in your mind that like watsy and really i mean the player base because we have a we have some power here too um what is it that you feel like is the direction forward for that. So I think to like improve it. Yeah. Cause a lot of these characters um, that are written like canonically as, as you know, some marginalized sexuality or gender. And a lot of these cards are, you know, are characters that we are never going to see again or mm-hmm. will it will be a long time before we do. Um, Cause I mean, who knows if we're going back to Kaladesh again, Alesha is blasted from time and space. Um, <laughs> we just went to Theros and we got to see like a couple of like, a uh, couple of like gay characters. And we got Nico Aris from who's from Theros originally. Um, but 
yeah, I just like we we need more main characters. We yeah, and we should demand um you know more main characters um of the writers and at the the story director um yeah. And I think my big thing too is that they're like persistent characters, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like that's that's my hope with Nico is that it appears they are going to be semi important in the like stories to come. Uh, it remains to be seen, but it at least appears for now that Wizard seems like they're going to continue to show their story, which is encouraging. Um, in like having those persistent characters to me is really important because, you know, you know, you brought up earlier with like Alesha, right? How mm-hmm. important that is to a lot of people in the trans community and how that got them into magic. And my thought and my feeling is that if, if that character was a persistent character that we saw more of, that mm-hmm. was more than shows up and then is completely rewritten out of the story. Um, like that to me would even be like, would have such a huge impact and like not to go on a tangent, but stay with me here. This is relevant. I feel like it is very important to like encourage like if anybody from Watsi is listening to me here, if you, if Hasbro hears this, I'm going to give you guys the greatest business pitch you're ever going to hear in your life. Here it is. It is really good for business to be inclusive. It really is. Uh, like it's so good. I think here's, here's a great um, example that is not about LGBT LGBTQ people, but uh, is in the same vein of like, think about the lack of clothing options that plus size people have where if American Eagle just decided to make bigger jeans, they would have a whole new audience, but they Mm -hmm. actively choose not to. And it's sort of the same thing here where you have an untapped market and you can make more money. And the reality of it is, that market is going to be much more loyal and is going to be much more uh, like profitable in your long term than any of the people who get upset about their inclusion, because those people will probably get upset about anything you do, honestly. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So if you work at Hasbro and if you work at uh, Wizards, Uh, I understand that y'all have some markets overseas that are not quite welcoming to LGBT people. And I understand that. Um, But don't forget about your audience here at home who makes up a large portion of your revenue stream. Uh, And those people, I think, are an untapped market that, you know, if a character like Alesha, like, it just drives me nuts. It, it feels so dumb to not be inclusive. It just, I don't know. Right? 
<laughs> Especially in this day and age. Like, shit. It costs you nothing to be inclusive, honestly. It, it costs you nothing. It can only benefit you. Like, just from, like, if, if we're really going to lean into this capitalist hellscape that we live in, right? Like, <laughs> Oh Inclusivity God, is good for business, guys. Like, right? It, it's not rocket science. If you include more people, that means more people to buy your product. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. But um, as far as in content creation and in the community, I'd like to say crow community, but. It appears the pro magic is, uh, if it's not dead, it's at least uh, in a coma. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, in the, I feel like in the content creation community is probably the biggest thing, right? Is how do we improve that? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I mean, it's oh man, Twitter it's is not an both, easy question, right? Like, right. Twitter is both the greatest and worst thing uh, in, in just so many ways. Um, but, you know, when I tweeted at the start of June about how for every time someone misgenders me, uh, misgenders me at a at a at an EDH table, I'm going to draw a card and I'm going to count up how many cards I draw over the course of Pride Month from being misgendered. Good Lord. It was 30. It was 30 cards. Yeah. And, you know, That's... I had people complain to me like, oh, non-binary, all these like queer libtards just like want everything to be so easy for them I'm like no I just want to be treated <laughs> want everyone to be treated better is that so much to ask shit yeah it's it's very interesting um, because there's a lot of there's a lot to dig in there Jesus um, but like it, it feels like we could certainly make improvements even in that regard like i'm non-binary and for fuck's sake i misgendered myself sometimes like that's, oh, that's a whole thing that's that's a whole thing but like so there's a lot to talk about there but like my big thing in the community and this is something that i feel like we kind of accomplished with the mlc and it was very unintentional, um, but was to have a diverse group of people playing the game mm -hmm. and working with a diverse group of people. And I say that and then our the Sculpty Boys are a terribly white group of people, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> but they're all very like, you know, pro like on the right side. Right. But it was very encouraging for me when the MLC finished and I looked at the top 10 and who made the playoffs and it was, you know, a bunch of 
LGBT people, a bunch of people of color, like several people of color that are not um, not just white dudes. Right. Like, yeah, is a lot of diversity in that final uh, 10. And it was just very encouraging to me because I was like, this was not engineered uh, to be this way. Right. Like it just happened to be that way. And it felt very encouraging for me that it worked out that way. Um, but I think doing more things where you can even intentionally do that, where you're mindful of who you work with. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I know you have a, you have a whole thing where like big projects, like it has to be 50% what, like it's in your Twitter uh, bio. Oh, <laughs> it is. Yeah. So, um, for me, especially, you know, working since I do a lot of, um, playing on, um, D&D shows um, mm-hmm. and podcasts and stuff that I don't want to be uh, in a cast on the show unless it's, you know, at least half, uh, you know, uh, black, indigenous people of color and 50 percent of marginalized genders, um, because right. there are so many talented people out there in the world it is really not hard to find them. You just have mm-hmm. to do a little bit of digging and, you know, you know, go into other people's social spheres, to, you know, to find yeah. them. But like, just, you know, look at who, look at who other people follow. And, you know, there are so many, so many great and amazing creators out there and more of them should be given more of a voice. Um, and so, and, um, and with the MLC, um, yeah, I think, you know, we as a community have to, you know, come together and organize more of these really cool and, you know, big, big events. And the more that we can reach out to people and increase that viewership, the more that we can show wizards and the greater, you know, gaming community of like, this is what we want. This is the way forward. This is what's gaining momentum. And right. if, if you want to take advantage of that, you know, you have to respect what we're doing and what our goals and ambitions are. Right. As much as I love LSV and Reed Duke and those guys, it can't just be, you know, a bunch of white dudes. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like they're, they're, they're like it, to circle back a little bit, just jumping off of that is just like, when Autumn Burchette won that, uh, was it Magic Fest or at that point, or was it, was it still a Grand Prix? I feel like it was a Magic Fest. I think it was a Magic Fest. Okay. But when they won that, like that was a huge deal. And I remember watching that and rooting for them mm-hmm. uh, the whole way through. And um, like, that was just like a big deal on a variety of levels and it was just so cool to see that happen. And we need more of that. And it's just it's very encouraging to see those things start to come to fruition um, kind of naturally. It just in because of who we all like you and I surround ourselves with right in this community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. But. Um, outside of that, we've kind of talked for an hour. Um, (laughs) 
And uh, I don't know how familiar you are, familiar you are with our previous uh, podcasts, but uh, I'm actively trying to not have three and a half hour podcasts anymore. Um. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hell no. I was going to be like like two hour two hours absolute max so <laughs> actually i feel like this does feel like a good uh yeah closing, it does closing point and i i love uh talking uh but i i definitely don't want to be talking for three and a half hours unless i'm like on a roll uh but so <laughs> for those for those of you who are fans of the mind sculptors podcast and all of that stuff uh expect a little bit more digestible <laughs> episodes coming up. Uh, but, you know, as we're leaving here, uh, what are some projects that you're working on? Like I said, you've joined our group here. Uh, you'll be on the main show at some point. Um, and yeah. uh, what else do you do? Like we, oh we talked boy. about it at the, the beginning. But, I uh, do. <laughs> what, what, are, what are you what are you wanting to plug? I guess is a better, better question. Um. So uh, so I guess basically, you know, follow me at Staff of Sage on Twitter. I post uh, weekly updates of all of the appearances and projects about that will be showing for the week. Um. So you can always see what I'm up to. Um, every single Wednesday on the Venture Maidens Twitch channel, uh, we stream D&D where I'm as a, as a player and you can hear me do a spectacular Northern Irish accent. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. I have uh, not watched, but you might have sold me on watching it now <laughs> for that char- exclusively. My character's name is Eva Flannery. Oh, she's no. A, she's a satyr bard. Oh, no. <laughs> and there is a I counter for uh, for each episode. How many times I say feck? <laughs> <laughs> We're at six so far. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> this is delightful. <laughs> Oh, so full of whimsy. Um, I don't yes. I dig it. Um, but yeah, so and then coming up, um, I know that something that I am working on um, is to be able to eventually start doing a monthly one shot um, of D&D with people in the Magic the Gathering community so we can sort of bridge that gap a little bit. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that is so. Yeah, that is a, an upcoming project. Just get ready because I'm just going to be a persistent character. I'm just going to keep bringing the same character. (laughs) (laughs) Just randomly on different planes. (laughs) No, I'm a planeswalker. Exactly. I'm a planeswalker. Don't worry about it. I just I'm involved with everything. It's fine. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Well, uh, if you are listening to this, you probably know where to find me. But in case you don't, um, (laughs) you find me right here. On the Mind Sculptors, uh, we do the main podcast, the Mind Sculptors podcast, every Monday at 9 a.m. And uh, this is we're doing this once a month. Uh, and you can catch this on a Friday that doesn't have gameplay. Uh, so, you know, sorry that gameplay isn't this week, but we're talking about diversity issues, guys. Um, but, you know, outside of that. 
Uh, that about wraps things up. And thank you all for tuning into this first episode. I'm really excited to be doing this. Uh, this was something that I was very excited to work with Sage on um, for a very long time. And it's something that when I started this uh, podcast in this group, that was something that I've been wanting to talk about for a year. Um, so it's very exciting for me to finally have like a dedicated show for it. Um, so thank you, Sage, for joining me on this journey. Um, just a quick reminder to everybody else that you can follow us on Twitter at Sculpty Boys. It's gender neutral. It's B-O-I-S. Thank you. Um, <laughs> or you can find a direct link in our link tree in the description below. I want to also give an extra shout out to our patrons who help keep the lights on. If you too would like to become a patron, you can head on over to patreon.com forward slash the mind sculptors or check out the link in the description uh we might be doing for a heads up we might be doing a little bit of a rework for patreon here in the coming month or two that's still we haven't done a lot with patreon to be honest but that is going to be changing here pretty soon uh we're going to be putting a lot of effort into getting out good stuff in a timely manner to patreon for you guys um so keep that in mind hope you do support us uh but with all that said thank you for joining us and from all of us here at the mind sculptors i'm callahan and i'm sage we'll see you next time i'm in line with the stars i'm in sync with the earth ten toes deep flower child from the turf i never switch sides like even when i die i'm a ride for the squad let our ties in the hearse i've been on a vibe kind of hard to describe i'm in between i'm good and it's fine but i'm tired of the grind then i come alive in the night to realize i'm in the middle of the time of my life i'm never so packed for the stack never lied on the back got a bag from the way that i write it queen looking tyson do that i survived doing 80 to the house then i hit it to the sky change haters on a tirade talking to the grip in the face be still let that hate stuff fade we all with the same we all want a meal in the safe i want to live like i'm trying to reach enlightenment trail spill from my lips feel big from the bit take a sip till i pass out Try and get grip, but it don't make sense. Cause you can lose life on this fast route. Yeah. Turn thoughts to a cash cow. I might flip that to the glass house. I don't need the accolades, I'm in love with the chase. I just wanna eat, save a spot at the table. Beast with the slap, hit myself on the map. You long with the wind, but we knowing that it's cap. Five hour flights, couple nights at the flat. To be real, could you see me making moves while I'm at? I'm still on the grind, limit time when I chat. I'm burning down sage, keep the demons away when I ready to give a piece of myself to the